Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for joining us for this week's NACTA virtual programming series. I'm Bob Vecchioni, NACTA CEO, and I trust you're all staying safe and healthy. As you may know, over the last few weeks, we have covered topics on how to prepare yourself for athletic department leadership and what to do during those very important first few months in the chair. Once those few months of exploration and assimilation are behind you, you can then begin to shift the focus to building your team and implementing your vision for the department. Today's session titled Optimizing Culture Through Your Leadership Team will provide examples for creating, developing and growing culture within your department. This afternoon, we're pleased to have Ross Bjork, Director of Athletics at Texas A&M University, Dennis Francois, Director of Athletics at Central Washington University, and Sharita Freeman, Director of Athletics at Lafayette College, join us to provide their insights into how they establish culture within their respective departments and teams. Before we begin, I'd like to remind all of our live attendees that you just have to use that little button uh, at the bottom of your Zoom screen to ask any questions anytime during the session, we'll be able to, to log in and, and, and you know, get your questions answered. And further, further, I would like to also thank our sponsor of today's session, Dynamic Pricing Partners, for their involvement with NACTA. Partnering with over 75 sports and entertainment properties, Dynamic Pricing Partners are experts in pricing, predicting pace of sale, and distributing inventory across multiple channels. Their experience, technology, and data ensures their partners exceed their goals and maintain brand integrity across all platforms. To learn more about Dynamic Pricing Partners, please visit dynamicpricingpartners.com. Dennis, Sharita, and Ross, thank you again for being with us today. And Ross, it's all up to you. Thank you again. Okay, thank you, Bob. Appreciate uh, the introduction and uh, really uh, hats off to NACTA for really adapting during this virtual time. I know for me, I, I've been to every uh, NACTA convention since 1997. And so I guess this still counts, even though we're not uh, physically together. I, I'll count this as a as attending uh, NACTA for 2020. So I really applaud NACTA for, for doing this. And originally, uh, Sharita, Dennis, and myself were going to be on a panel during the uh, Mentoring Institute. And Desiree Reed Francois is supposed to be the moderator of the entire Mentoring Institute. And so I guess because we're virtual, um, that duty falls to me during this session. So uh, what we're gonna do, obviously we're talking about culture through leadership, uh, but this is really geared towards that, that senior level administrator who's maybe one or two steps away from becoming an athletic director and, and really kind of packing that toolbox with the, the necessary uh, tools and, and skills and experience to become a director of athletics. And so what we're going to do is we're going to cover, we'll have all three of us cover three topic areas, leadership, our kind of our leadership journey, talking about culture, building culture within our department, and then building trust and inclusiveness, those three topics. And then if there's Q&A that comes up, Katie will help us uh, moderate the Q&A, or we can wait and do the, the Q&A at the end. Um, but we want this to be fun. We want it to be interactive. I, I see there's maybe 240 or so participants. Uh, so we appreciate everyone joining us today. And so to cover the first topic, the leadership journey of all of us, we're going to go ladies first and have Sharita 
uh, kick us off here. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Ross. And I will echo your sentiments in terms of um, just being appreciative of the opportunity to be able to um, share my thoughts um, to the NACTA community. Certainly um, would have liked to have been able to um, be on the panel in person, but um, this, is, this is just fine as well. Um, when I think about my leadership journey, you know, I think about um, my, my path and the um, leaders that I had an opportunity to learn from and how it has established, you know, my leadership style um, to this day. Um, so I'll walk through my pathway a little bit and talk a little bit about what I've learned or what um, leadership and cultural elements um, I've been able to pull in order to establish um, myself um, as a leader um, at Lafayette College. Um, I'll start with Dartmouth, um, which was uh, certainly an early uh, part of my career. Um, but there, as the um, assistant to intercollegiate programs um, and as the assistant AD for compliance, um, I learned uh, more of a team approach there. Um, I learned um, how to step in and step up um, whenever that was needed. Um, I saw everyone contribute and I wasn't necessarily in a leadership role. So in those uh, parts of your career, um, it's about learning from the leaders that are around you, um, being more of an observer of leadership in a way was what it was for me. And I had the opportunity and the fortune to, to work with some great leaders. I reported directly to Grace Calhoun, who's the uh, athletic director at the University of Pennsylvania, and Josie Harper, who is a longtime um, athletic director and mentor at Dartmouth. And so I had an opportunity to learn some great insights um, from, from the two of them, as well as others um, within the department. Um, when I moved on to Temple University as the assistant AD for compliance, that was an opportunity for me to um, start in my own leadership role um, because I was at that point um, leading a compliance office there. Um, so there I, I started to lead by example, um, leading within a team. Um, I started to develop my collaborative approach to leadership. And I think I was able to do that because I, because I had a great team there. Um, I was a decision maker, but I knew that um, the folks that were working with me would develop more if they were included. And so feeling like I could share with them, um, be able to get their, their insight and their input. Um, also wanting to make it fun because I do think um, as leaders, we have to you know, create environments where people are learning, but they're enjoying that process. Um, and I was learning too at the same time. So that was really, really important, but giving the team an opportunity to grow and try new things um, building confidence in themselves. Um, I think all of those things improve your culture and certainly um, those things come from the top down in terms of your, your leadership. Um, when I transitioned to Penn um, as the Senior Associate Athletic Director, um, it furthered my, my leadership um, and expanded um, the group that I would oversee. Um, and so there I think I learned a lot more about trusting your people um, because I wasn't as much hands-on in a particular area in the way that I was at Temple. Um, I learned about having a strategic approach, um, the importance of communication. Um, and Penn was certainly an opportunity where I had an opportunity to learn about the literature associated with culture and leadership with some of the um, professional development opportunities that I was able to participate in there. Um, so um, I think that growth um, put me in a position to um, be the athletic director at Lafayette College, which is where I am now. Um, and I um, operate in a very um, collaborative way. Um, the ability to be able to have um, a vision and enthusiasm for, for what you're trying to accomplish is great. 
um, but believing in staff participation is certainly an important aspect of leadership. Um, letting people do their work, trusting them to do that, um, holding them accountable, um, but also just creating an, an environment where people feel like they're valued um, and that they have the opportunity to succeed. Um, so that's a little bit about um, my journey. Great. Dennis, you want to go next or? You bet. Well, I also want to echo uh, Ross and, and Sharita's comments and thank NACTA and, and Bob Becchioni and Katie for arranging this. Uh, it's truly an honor for me to be uh, on the same stage with uh, Ross and Sharita uh, talking about a very, very important uh, subject and, and something that it continues to evolve and, and change. Uh, my, my journey's been a little bit uh, of an anomaly, a little bit atypical. I, um, uh, I wrestled in college and that might be uh, part of one of the things that you become very independent in what you do and how you do it. Uh, one of the great traits it teaches, but it also can uh, maybe teach some, some bad traits in terms of that teamwork. You really didn't have to work with the team. It was all, hey, you gotta do your part and, and uh, make sure that uh, you take care of business and everything else uh, will fall into place. So uh, that, that's uh, one of the things I've kind of learned over time and have been told I had a wrestler's mentality when you're confronted with a problem, you kind of want to take it down and pin them, but uh, <laughs> you learn from those things. And, uh, but for me, uh, what, what I, my journey really was, was not in an athletic department. It was, uh, I went on to uh, get my PhD and I wanted to be a college professor. So I did that for, for eight years uh, prior to getting back into administration. I did coach at the college level for a number of years, uh, but uh, eight years in, in higher education as a professor. And I think what that, uh, taught me a lot about is just kind of more of the theory uh, based uh, approach in terms of all the different uh, leadership styles and learning about culture and uh, business organizations and, and such and really what uh, what makes them successful and what doesn't. Uh, I was afforded a, a great opportunity at uh, the university I was working at in New Mexico to serve as the uh, uh, interim athletic director and, and I did that for a year and a half. So uh, unlike uh, most people, I, I didn't have a lot of people that were you know, mentors in terms of athletic directors that I uh, served under. And uh, you, you learn some hard lessons that way, but um, you also learn to be a little bit more collaborative and, and uh, seek more input. Uh, probably the things that I enjoy most, most about uh, NACTA and our, even our conference AD meetings, it's not necessarily what happens in those meetings, it's the side conversations and everything else that happens that, that you learn and able to pick somebody's brain a little bit more. Uh, but the sessions too are, are outstanding and give you a pretty wide variety of a, a approach to, to what to do and what not to do. Uh, but after New Mexico, I served as the uh, athletic director at Southern Oregon University and uh, was there for three and a half years. And uh, during that time was, was probably the first time that I really realized uh, how important it is to uh, have a collaborative approach and, and be more, uh, more uh, in inclusive in terms of what, uh, what views you're gonna uh, bring in. And you're looking at the history of an organization uh, taking into that account in terms of what types of decisions you make. Uh, but uh, it was a great experience in that, there and then uh, had a, an opportunity to go to Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. I'm an Iowa native, so it was coming home for me, but um, served uh, under Sandy Hatfield Club there uh, and really learned a lot because of a great administrative team, the senior staff there. I uh, became much more probably humanistic uh, during that time. And uh, it wasn't quite business, business, business. And, and those are the things that you, you kind of learn along that way. Uh, as we all know, we, we learn uh, many times as, as much, much what not to do than, than what to do. Uh, 
and I think those are the things, the lessons that you take uh, with you. And then the last seven years I've been here at, uh, at Central Washington University and uh, really trying to, uh, you know, develop a, a culture here. And I think we have done a good job, but it's a, a never ending job, as we know, uh, to constantly uh, reinforce and, and uh, better your culture and uh, your organizational health. Uh, but uh, through that process, uh, you surrounding yourself with great people, uh, people that tell you uh, not, not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear and how critical that is, uh, and having that open, uh, healthy conflict uh, behind closed doors, but uh, have a unified front when you, when you uh, go beyond those doors. And I've and, uh, been, been very fortunate to be uh, blessed here to have a great senior staff, uh, but also administration, a president that truly believes in uh, what intercollegiate athletics does, not only for the student athlete and what life skills it develops, but also what uh, what potential intercollegiate athletics has for a university in developing that school pride and spirit. So it's been a, a, an atypical journey, as I noted before, uh, but uh, these type of sessions, I think are very valuable because of, uh, you, you learn you learn from uh, so many different people and, and the approaches they've had and what's worked and what has not. Great. Thanks, Dennis and Sharita. Very, uh, very similar to Dennis, in terms of the, the student athlete perspective, I couldn't wrestle because I didn't want the, the ear problem. Uh, I won't call what that is named, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, Dennis. Uh, and I, do you guys have wrestling, Sharita? So you know what I'm talking about. The ears, cauliflower ears. We, we, don't, okay. we don't at Lafayette, okay. but um, we did at, at Penn. And so I, I know what you're talking about. Okay. So I played fullback in college and very similar approach Dennis that let's just hit this head on right let's whatever the issue is let's tackle it let's deal with it let's confront it let's take it as an opportunity whatever it might be so very similar style I think to, to what you described of just just straight ahead mentality and I, I'm one of those people that believe that leaders emerge and if you heard Sharita and Dennis talk about that, they both talked about grabbing different things from their journey and applying it to, to how they lead their athletic department now. And I, I think that's the key thing. And that's definitely what I've done. I've been fortunate to be around some great leaders, some uh, icons, if you will, in, in college athletics and, and be able to grab uh, principles and grab uh, philosophies and tactics and strategies and you kind of beg borrow and steal along the way and then you adapt it to your own style um, as you emerge as well but I, I think we all emerge through our journey we all take things in um, and the key thing that I think we're talking to that that next generation those rising stars is that it's never too late to formulate what your leadership style is and I would encourage everyone to start now because you can't think about your leadership style when you walk in that interview room. It's too late. You need to be thinking about that three, five, seven, ten years before you have an opportunity uh, to become an athletic director or even to, to interview for an athletic director job. My, uh, my leadership philosophy is really situational based. Uh, we all get that question. Will you tell me what type of leader you are? Well, you know what, tell me what the situation is, and then I'll tell you what type of leadership approach that I'll take to that situation. Because as we know, sometimes we have to be really firm. Sometimes we may have to put our arm around someone 
and, and lead them through a, a challenging situation. Sometimes we just have to be the one to make the decision by ourselves. No one else can make the decision except the athletic director. Sometimes it has to be a collaborative approach. And so we all are going to get that question if we haven't already. Tell me what type of leader you are. And I think the best uh, answer for me anyway, my philosophy is, is the situation will dictate the response. Now, our values remain the same. Our principles remain the same. Our integrity never changes. It's, it's not situational ethics. It's situational leadership. And I think there's, there's a big difference. I think when we, when we control our self-awareness, when we control our emotions, that I believe that's when we perform to the best of our ability uh, with our, our leadership style. Um, as we're going through these challenges right now, and we'll, we'll probably get to some of this, uh, how are we doing this during um, our recent challenges? I always say that there's no manual. We can't look up on page 92 in the athletic director manual, because there is no athletic director manual, and say, this is how you deal with social unrest. This is how you deal with a global pandemic, right? Part of being a leader is you have to gather as much information. You have to be well-informed. You have to be very, very organized in, in your approach. Uh, you have to create that culture, which, which we'll talk about here in a second. A lot of times you can't be too emotional. I, we have a saying, never too high, never too low. You know, if I, if I go running down the hallway and I'm the one, you know, out of control and panicked and freaking out, well, that gives everyone else permission to do the same. And so I have to be in utmost control. I have to control my emotions. Does that mean we don't get angry? We don't get mad, of course, right? We're, we're all human. We have those emotions. But you probably have some outlets where you need to vent maybe in more of a private setting. No, no whining, no complaining, no excuses. That, that came from a legendary coach, uh, John Wood. And, and I was able to be around him when I was at UCLA for five years. And to me, that's a, a standard that leaders have to have. No whining, no complaining, no excuses in everything that we, we go through. And in a lot of ways, for our young people, this is what I talk to our students about a lot, is that we've made leadership almost too big. How do we get leadership back to being about helping others, being about being thoughtful, being kind, understanding, being inclusive. It's not about the corner office. It's not about how much money we make. It's not about how we dress. Dennis has a sport coat on today. So does Sharita. I don't. I have a golf shirt on. But we can still be a leader, right? It doesn't matter the title. It matters are we here to serve. And, and I, that, that's the impression in leadership that I try to, to follow. So that's the leadership journey section. Now we're going to switch to culture. And if you guys don't mind, I'll, uh, I'll go first. We'll kind of switch it up and then we'll go to Dennis and then uh, Sharita can close us on the culture piece. Culture to me is one of those aspects uh, of leadership organizations that it's hard to really put your finger on it, but you know it when you see it. And then you also know it when you don't have it, you know it when it's broken. And you may, it may reveal itself more when it's broken than when it's actually working. Because when it's working, maybe people don't really even talk about it. It just happens organically. It happens naturally. And so culture, in my mind, is 
doing all the little things to make the big things happen. And it's, it's daily, it's hourly, it's minute by minute, it's constant communication of our, of our culture. We have to always be thinking about how to foster a positive culture. We also know that we have to make sure that we have the right staff. This is part of the session is talking about leading and culture through, through our staff is that I can't be everywhere as the athletic director. There's no way we have a big place. We have uh, one of the largest universities in, in the, in the country um, acreage wise. So we're spread out. We have 320 athletic department staff members, including our athletic foundation, our 12th man foundation staff. There's no way that I can be everywhere. And so do we have the right team of coaches and administrators that see things the same way? They don't have to agree by any means, but the values, the culture, the systems, all those type of things, we need to make sure that, that we have the right staff. Uh, every single year, I've done this every single year that I've been an athletic director. It started back at Western Kentucky back in the, in the spring of 2010. And every year uh, I do this when I start a job and I do it uh, every year around August when we kick off the academic year is I hand out a sheet of paper and it's about two and a half, uh, three pages. And I call it points to remember. And it goes over all kinds of, of variables in terms of my philosophy. It covers things like make sure you take a vacation. It covers things like customer service. It covers things like integrity. It covers things like loyalty. It covers things like excellence. We, we want to win. We're at Texas A&M. We should be one of the best athletic departments in the country. And so we, we hand this out. And last year, I handed it out in August. So I had started about a month before that here at A&M. I did the same thing for seven years at Ole Miss. And I did it every single August. And it was a great way to just remind staff if there's something that, man, I'm not sure why we do this, or I'm not sure what his philosophy is, or come May or, May or June, I'm really burned out. Can I take vacation? Well, you know what? The boss, the athletic director, the person in charge said to make sure that you take vacation. And so we want people to understand that they need, they need time away. So we hand that out. We talk through it in the most uh, really a proudful moment for me is when I go in someone's office and they've got that thumbtacked on their bulletin board or they've got it taped on their desk or because that means that people are paying attention. They want things like that. They want to be informed. And so we, we try to do that. So culture, I think, is daily habits, actions, values, visibility, that whole management by walking around, showing people that you care and doing it on a, on a very consistent and organic basis. So that's the culture piece. So who we're going to Dennis next, right? Yep, we'll switch it up and go to Dennis. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things that um, we did here at Central really to uh, develop, I think the culture that we are uh, in right now is, is something that maybe a lot of our staff at the very beginning thought was a, a little bit hokey, to be honest. You know, they probably thought that uh, you know, what, what the exercises we did and we had a lot of longtime staff people that have been here you know 20 plus years and uh, ad that uh, retired after 12 years jack bishop and, and really weathered some big storms here in terms of uh, 
the 0809 economy and uh, had to reduce our sport offerings as well. So uh, really did a, a good, great job of keeping our department where it was. But uh, I knew that we needed to develop exactly what you said, Ross, one of those things that is, is a little bit intangible and you, you know it when it's there and when it's not there. And um, the, uh, the thing that I look back on and, and uh, reflect on here is that first two or three months that I was on the job, we, we spent probably two months uh, with all of our head coaches, all of our, our directors, uh, top level uh, directors, but even solicited input from, from all of our department uh, about what our core values were gonna be. And uh, I, we had a strategic plan. I, I found it in the files and, and uh, I asked people what our core values were and, and nobody knew what they were. And uh, so that kind of told me that we, we weren't uh, really operating that way in terms of uh, guiding principles and such. So we spent about two months identifying what those core values were. Uh, and that was some good heated debate and uh, really you know, challenging people and questioning you know, why that, what does that mean to you? Uh, but uh, after we identified what those were, we defined them. Uh, we developed actionable behaviors. Uh, so as you probably said, three or four things in terms of situations where, hey, this is how this value, core value plays out. And then we developed a guiding principle uh, you know, for those, those core, core values as well. And, and really what that was, it, it really was our code of conduct. And, and that's really what it was. This is how we were going to operate. And I think uh, over time, when people see that you're starting to make decisions based on those core values, and you're not going to waver from those. And of course, one of them, of course, is a, a, a great positive student athlete experience. And uh, at our university, I always have to remind them that that comes with a dollar figure. <laughs> uh, and uh, not everybody's able to do everything. And, and I'm very upfront from the beginning that we were going to make larger investments in particular programs, but not at the expense of other student athletes and their experience here at Central. Uh, but a lot of those things that we did at the very beginning, and, and that was uh, developing those core values, uh, identifying what our mission was, and then really what our vision was as a university or as, as a department. And um, that vision for us is uh, CW Athletics, a program with which people are proud to be associated. For you English majors out there, that's uh, uh, putting it that way, but uh, and it really starts with you know proud to be associated, and and that comes back to pride, and that pride has to start with our student athletes. They've got to feel great about their experience here as a student athlete. It doesn't matter if they are a, a football player, a cross country runner, a volleyball player, a basketball, softball, whatever the case may be. They've got to feel great about their experience, and once they have great pride and, and feel great uh, enthusiasm for their department, their team, that starts. Uh, permeating other to other student athletes, to other students, to faculty, staff, when they say, yes, I've got so-and-so in class, wow, she's an excellent student, uh, she's a great communicator when they're going to be gone on a trip, and then all of a sudden you get those allies, and then that pride continues to grow, and that pride uh, continues to grow to our, our, our uh, faculty, our administration, our, our alumni, our fans, and uh, that's really where it starts. So is that student athlete experience and the pride they have as being a Wildcat student athlete. And uh, so that's our vision statement. And I know the first time I presented it to our president, uh, I, I remember it very vividly. He goes, uh, pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, uh, it is, but you know, try to poke a hole in it. And, uh, and, and we do, we want people to be a proud to be associated with CW Athletics. and. Uh, and they're not going to be proud if our student athletes are, are in the paper for the wrong reasons. If our coaches are, you know, doing things that aren't uh, ethical and, 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 and uh, you know, with integrity and, 
So those are the things that, uh, of course, fans see, donors see, and uh, alumni, when we start making those improvements to facilities and things like that, that just continues to, to develop and foster that pride in our, in our student athletes as, as well as everybody else outside of that. So uh, that for us, in terms of our, our culture here at Central, that's the things that we've been really uh, fortunate uh, with, but uh, it's also make sure that we uh, identify what those are, the, the candidates that are gonna to adhere to those core values. In every interview that we have, I have a, a two, three page sheet that has a, our, our vision, our mission, and all of our values and all those things I just talked about. And I, and I put it slided across the desk with those uh, those candidates and just say, Here, here's what we're all about. And take a, take a, take a look through this and, and make sure that this is something that you can buy into and you can adhere to. Uh, if not, then you're not the right person for the job. And uh, to be honest, we've, we've had those conversations with candidates on campus and we knew when, when they left campus that the, that just wasn't a good fit. And sometimes they know it as well. And so it helps attract the right candidates, but it helps also detract the wrong candidates. And I think coaches have that same thing. The culture within their program is going to attract the right student athletes or detract the wrong student athletes. And uh, so that's a very important thing. And you, you recruit your own problems, not only as coaches, but also as administrators. And uh, you got to make sure you have people that are going to be on board with uh, what you stand for as a university, as a department, and uh, make sure they have buy-in and, and able to uh, uh, adhere to those core values and become principles in their life. I think what uh, Dennis and Ross have, have shared is, is definitely um spot on and it also makes me think about how you know as leaders and i'll just say that you're constantly learning and evolving in in your process as well so even when you get to the to the desired seat of being an athletic director you know you, you can still learn from your peers and learn a lot about um building culture and your leadership style and, and ross I, I love your idea um about the uh the reminders at the beginning of the year that might be one that i end up stealing from you so we might have to do that um, here at lafayette um, but some of the things that I'll add, um, um, and Dennis talked a, a little bit about this, is you know wanting there to be the sense of pride um, for your organization. Um, we talk about um, energy and enthusiasm, and I think that is something that you know in our Leopard family, you know that's something where I want people to have that energy and enthusiasm to um, participate in their experience, um, to come to work every single day, um, and part of that is having intention in developing community of your organization, um, making sure that there's, there's room for, for shared exploration and the emergence of new perspectives and encouraging people to, to bring those perspectives to you. Um, people have to feel comfortable um, about contributing. And if you don't have um, that sense of collaboration or that sense of pride in the organization, you really deter people from, from bringing their, their, their most valuable contributions. Um, I think there also has to be within the culture a sense of transparency um, and a willingness to accept um, feedback. Um, I'm constantly telling my staff and certainly um, the leadership team that works most closely with me that I don't have all the answers. So I think part of establishing a strong culture is to make sure that you have that collective voice um, and that it's not um, just about what I think. Um, certainly there are moments where as the athletic director you need to make decisions and, and deliver those, the, those decisions to the group. Um, but I am always talking about there's a forever an, an invitation to be involved in the thought process to be able to contribute 
to contribute to the, the thought process for uh, what we do within our athletics department. I also feel like um, building culture is also um, very much about um, building camaraderie um, and ha having a family atmosphere um, where um, there are opportunities for the staff to engage. Some of it will happen organically um, and some of it, you know, might be um, kind of corny, um, but honestly, those are the moments where I feel like that staff engage engagement gives people an opportunity, again, to have that energy and enthusiasm for what's going on on campus, for what's going on in the department, to have this willingness to support each other. Um, it warms my heart to see, you know, coaches and, and whole athletic teams supporting each other. Um, I think those things don't happen overnight. That's something that certainly was established long before I got to Lafayette, but that's part of our culture that I really am proud of is that our teams support each other. They enjoy going to each other's games and they're loud and they're cheering and they're wearing all the same shirts. And that's a part of, of what I think um, builds a, a certainly a great environment. Um, this uh, past spring, we had staff Olympics. Um, and again, it was one of those things where we put everybody into teams and we did it virtually um, because of um, the, the quarantine requirements, but it was an opportunity for staff to be put on teams and we engaged in all of these, you know, funny, silly activities, but it was just a way for us to come together. And I think those um, opportunities are certainly so important um, to the process. Um, but your culture has to be aligned with your values as well. And Dennis um, talked a lot about that. Um, we also had a collective conversation about our mission, vision, and core values. Um, those conversations, you know, taught me a lot about what Lafayette Athletics is about. Um, certainly, I have I had a vision coming into the department, um, but I needed to hear from my staff about what they believed our core values are, were and what our mission was and how we needed to alter that um, based on uh, the vision we had and the strategic plan that we have. Um, and that exercise, I think, allowed us to establish a collective approach um, that we all can get behind and, and values that we all um, believe in um, that we can certainly make sure that are uh, permeating um, throughout our department. Um, the title of our strategic plan um, at Lafayette is um, building a, a championship culture. Um, and that's the strategy for how we're going to approach things. Um, but in order for us to achieve that, the people who are within the organization have to believe in it, have to be enthusiastic about it. Um, and they, they have to want to, to achieve those goals. And I feel like we have it um, and it's something that, like I think Ross said at the beginning, um, when you have it, um, you know you have it. And when you don't, it's fairly, fairly obvious. Um, so um, we're excited about what we're doing. Um, and, and certainly um, the culture that we've built at Lafayette, I think, is um, something that we'll continue to build upon. All right, let's, uh, let's take a few minutes and go into the building trust and inclusiveness. And uh, Dennis, we'll, we'll let you kick this section off. And then I think we have do we do have some questions that are coming in, so we'll be able to get to those here. All right. Well, as as Shreda just mentioned, uh, it doesn't happen overnight, and uh, developing that trust uh, within your senior leadership team, especially, uh, is something that uh, is going to take time. Uh, but uh, a lot of the same things people said: you've got to be vulnerable, you've got to be uh, open to new ideas, you got to practice a little bit of cognitive dissonance, and put away the the things that you think are are true and and uh, be open to new ideas and, and uh, different perspectives. So I think that trust is, is really a big one. And, you know, saying it's a, it's a mutual bank account between two people that you, you can't make withdrawals if you haven't made deposits. So uh, being vulnerable and being open is, is a critical part of that. Uh, I think one of the things that we uh, really try to do is 
you know, I, I, I never have to worry about being the smartest guy in the room. I assure you that. Uh, but uh, I got to surround yourself with great people that those people that really tell you, uh, you know, hey, am I, am I thinking right on this? Am I, am I missing something here? And uh, again, those people aren't going to say that right away. And there's some things that I'll never say to my boss, uh, my president. Uh, and you've got to be aware as, as an athletic director that that power differential. And uh, I know meetings go differently if I'm not there. And, and that's just the reality of, of what life is in terms of, of uh, that power differential. But you've got to recognize that and being self-aware is very critical. Uh, but when you're looking at a, a healthy culture and a healthy organization and where that trust really begins, it has to start with that senior leadership team and making sure that, uh, yeah, there might be disagreement behind closed doors on certain subjects, but when we walk out those doors, we're a united front. And we're always open for more interpretation more feedback and, and come back and be humble enough to say, hey, I think I screwed up on that one. Bad decision on my end. Uh, but uh, you do that, uh, hopefully, after you've taken you know, enough uh, input from other people and uh, to, to, to really make that decision. But uh, uh, those are the things that we really work on. And um, I, the, the key there, though, is, is really having that healthy, constructive conflict. A lot of times people uh, feel that when people disagree on subjects that, you know, uh, you know, we're just not going to bring that up anymore, but you got to continue to chip away at that and uh, hopefully get into the inner core of some more, some of these issues that, uh, that people see or are having. And, and the more you learn, the more you listen, uh, the better, better uh, decisions you make, but the more trust you have as well. And so really getting to know them, not only what their job is and what they do here at, at the university, uh, but also them as a, as a person, you know, talk about their their background, their upbringing, because we're all a, a product of our environment to a degree. And, and you kind of realize, oh, okay, that's why Dennis thinks this way. He's one of nine kids and, you know, a, a big family. I mean, wrestled, whatever the case may be, we're all a product of, of our past. And, uh, and that influences who we are. And uh, a lot of times those aren't all positive things. Some of those are negative things. And, and the more self-aware we are, and the more open we are, and the more vulnerable we are uh, to having that input, uh, the more trust that we can develop amongst each other as a team, which is critical. And then uh, we also, uh, I, I subscribe to a lot of Patrick Lencioni's uh, you know, philosophies and his, his number one theme tier, uh, number one theme team theory is, is, a, is a really good one and talks about who is your number one team. And, and we talk about that with our head coaches and saying, your number one team has to be the senior leadership team and, and you as head coaches, that's, that's your number one team. If you are, uh, you know, saying things to your student athletes that, you know, undermine, uh, you know, our, our university's authority, our authority and undermine what we're trying to do as a department, then you've kind of created even more conflict and, and uh, that's just not a positive thing. But uh, uh, those are some critical things that I think are very important in building that trust. And uh, it, it's, again, a, a mutual bank account and, and you, you can't make withdrawals if you haven't made deposits. And uh, the more open and vulnerable, uh, the more trust you're gonna have amongst your staff. Sharita, do you- Yeah, I can go next. If we, you wanna go next or do, you wanna, oh. do we wanna get into the Q&A? We've got five questions. Go for it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just don't want, don't want to make sure we get everyone. Let's do the questions. That's fine. Katie. All right. Well, thank Are you we all okay with that? for. Yes, that's great. So thank you all for your insights thus far. And just a reminder for our live attendees that are participating on Zoom with us, feel free to submit your questions 
uh, for our panelists through that Q&A feature on your Zoom toolbar. Uh, the first question, a little bit of a, a two-part question, um, discuss how an AD sets and creates culture versus assimilating into a culture and who sets that culture? I'll, uh, I'll take that one since I just started a new job and my, my one year anniversary is uh, July the 8th is my, was my first day on the job. To me, it's, it's both. I, I think you have to bring values and you have to bring a mindset perhaps to a, a new place. But I also believe that you need to learn and, and listen and you need to understand traditions and values. And, and one of the things that Dennis mentioned is that he had to create a whole set of core values. At Western Kentucky, at Ole Miss, I brought a set of core values. I, I talked to our senior staff about developing those. We, we publicized them. Here at Texas A&M, Texas A&M University has core values that I absolutely love. And so we don't have to have our, a separate set of core values for the athletic department because the university already has a high-level mindset. And so that that's an example. Um, I believe that we have to do a little bit of both. If it's really, really broken, then you may be starting from ground zero um, in, in terms of creating that culture. But I think the number one thing that we have to do when we first start is listen and learn because it's real easy to walk in and say, here's my master plan. Here's what you all need to do. And if you get into it and it's not the right fit, then it's not gonna work. And so I, I think it's a little bit of, uh, of both. And I'll just add to, um, you know, assessing the culture and how important that is. And, you know, I just crossed my, my two year anniversary anniversary at Lafayette and I, I echo um, what Ross has, has said, you know, I think being able to come in and observe and listen and um, be able to have those conversations with your staff, with your community, with your student athletes about what's working and what isn't um, is so important. The last thing you want to do is you want to don't want to come in and just change everything because um, you know, that's just what you, you think you're supposed to do. Um, one of the things that I found is that there, there could be, you know, a lot of things that are working exactly the way they should be. Um, and so being able to identify those things and, and capitalize on that and building off of that is so important. So I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I remember one of the things Ross said last year at NACTA uh, in one of the sessions, and I think you mentioned something about meeting with one of your staff members and uh, the staff members really you want to meet with me why do you want to meet with me and uh and, and i think that is uh a really a, a, a says a lot about ross and his leadership style of course uh but it also you know creates that value in every person in every position and uh you know everybody in, in our department we always say that everybody has a as a role and with that role comes a responsibility and so for us as leaders we need to make sure we know that person and the better we know people, of course, the better we're able to you know, apply that situational leadership, of course, and knowing their strengths and weaknesses and such. Uh, but uh, that was very impressive. And I, I, I really uh, subscribe to that as well and making sure that, hey, we, we know who our custodial staff is and we're greeting them every day coming in and all of our student athletes during our student athlete orientation. Uh, we, we bring our custodial staff that are in our facility to that meeting and introduce them. and. And, uh, and, and make sure that they, they know when they drop that wrapper in the hallway, uh, 
we clean it up, not not them. Let's make sure that we do our best to, to make their job easier. But I don't know who that was, Ross, but uh, I knew that was an impressive thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I took away from that, that was a, a very positive thing and realized that it has to be a shared vision. And, and that culture cannot happen without the buy-in from everybody. So, uh, but it is a little bit of both. You can't come in and, uh, you know, change things too drastically that are, that are working. And you've got to be able to identify those things that are not. And, when you have a, a good perspective and visit enough people in the department, you can usually find out what things are working and what, what, what are not. Katie, I think the other question was part of that was who sets the culture. To me, obviously, the athletic director is the face of it, but I think it's the people in the place who ultimately set the culture. And it can be led and guided by, by us as the athletic director with the points to remember sheet that I talked about or meeting, having those, you know, one-on-one staff meetings or uh, Jason Galaska just texted me and said, remind people about taking uh, donuts to the grounds crew. Like we can do all of those sort of tactics as the athletic director, but I, I really think it's the people in the place who ultimately set the culture. Katie, do you want to keep, Absolutely. So on the topic of listening, you know, obviously you all lean on your senior leadership um, and your leadership teams, but how do you incorporate the input of maybe some of your younger staff um, and get them to trust and buy into your vision and message? I can start on that one. You know, one of the things that we have at Lafayette is we have a leadership team, but we also have a management team as well. Um, And I think the objective of that management team was twofold. One, we wanted to make sure we had um, a wider range of input um, from our staff, Um, but also too, I thought it was important for those junior level administrators to have um, access to me and not the informal access that they have all of the time where Um, we can engage in those informal conversations in the hallway, um, but in a meeting setting where they're actually contributing to the thought process. And so um, for me, I think in in creating those opportunities for them to serve on committees or to uh, be a part of of a management team where they're having biweekly meetings with the athletic director is important for their input, for them to feel like their um, feedback and opinions are valued. Um, And then also too, encouraging them Um, to take on additional responsibility where that can happen, um, working with their supervisors to to learn a little bit more about the needs of the department and taking on those uh, those challenges is important um, for them to be a part of the process. And so hopefully um, that leads to um, certainly a lot of trust, but also to feeling valued within the organization. I would say one of the things about, I I thought this was a millennial question, so that's good. Um, We don't have to answer that piece of it. Um, I, I think one of the, the aspects of this part of it is I think our, our younger folks need to declare themselves to their leaders and, and make sure that we understand what their dreams are, what their aspirations are. And then our job, I, I believe, is to help them you know, get there. So that, that could be very formal settings. Can I, can I meet with the athletic director? Can I meet with the deputy athletic directors? Uh, when when we see folks in the hallway, we can have those informal conversations. Hopefully that's, that's a part of it as well. Uh, but first step, I believe, is let us know what you want to do. Let your boss, let your supervisors, let the athletic director know exactly what your aspirations are. So then we can maybe help you know, guide and, and map out a, a roadmap for your future to be hired into that first a leadership role that uh, was in that in that question. 
the things we did this past year and, and uh, we developed kind of a professional development series for our younger staff and uh, brought a lot of people in from the university had different guest speakers come in and visit with them i think we did it uh, i think once a month uh, throughout this year and even did it virtually at the end of the year uh, but i think that was very valuable for for you know getting that input from them a little bit but also giving them you know the best advice we can in terms of of uh, exploring their professional opportunities and how to develop themselves personally to be ready for that next job. So as our next question is, as it relates to core values, how do you balance setting core values of the department versus personal core values as you create those standards? Hmm. Dennis, you wanna talk about that since you, you hit on that pretty good? You, you, well, you hope definitely that most of those core values that uh, that you identify as, as a department and, and hold as a department are, are things that you hold true to yourself as well. Um, I, I don't think there's probably too many things in there that, you know, for our core values that I could say that I don't, uh, you know, try to subscribe to myself in terms of my personal life. Um, but I also make note that people, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna fall short once in a while. And uh, that happens. And as long as it's not a complete disregard to, to those values, uh, then you're working to, to improve and make yourself better, uh, then, then that's okay. But uh, I think some of the, the core values that we have, one of them, for instance, is, is family. And, and this is a, uh, you know, kind of maybe overused at times, a cliche, but uh, and I actually stole it from my previous institution that, you know, expect the best from and the best for each other. And, uh, and that's really what family is. It's really wanting the best for each other and looking out and, and maybe telling them when they're, when they're not uh, doing things they need to. Uh, during our student athlete orientation, I, it's kind of interesting. I talk about our core values and identify a few, kind of get in deep on a few of them. Uh, but I asked our student athletes, you know, uh, how many of you competed with one of your siblings, your brother or sister in a, in, a, in a sports team? And, you know, there's a handful of people. And how about in the same sport and same team? And so, yes, there's a few and I'll pick on one. And I said, well, was there ever a time when you wanted your brother or sister to, to get injured so you could play in, in their place. And they're saying, no, not, not a chance. Well, in time you hopefully, maybe they have a bad game and coach pulls them out and puts you in there. Is that kind of what you hope for as well? No, I guess exactly. <laughs> we would never do that for our own family, but it happens in athletics. <laughs> and if you can take that same mentality you have for your blood and transfer that into your athletic setting, then that's when you really have family. And uh, and are you going to be the person on the end of the bench after you get pulled out with a towel around your head and uh, sulking and not, you know, be the last person up off the bench on a timeout? Or are you going to be that person that cheers that person on that just replaced you uh, saying, hey, you, you just uh, saved my butt a little bit in terms of uh, going out there and, and pulling it together for the team. So uh, those are the things that you hope to have in, in your own family as well. And I think that transferability is, is important for, uh, for people. And when they leave here, uh, hopefully over the course of four or five years, they, they take those values with them and, you know, service, for instance, and the, the things that we try to do in terms of our service projects on campus and in our community. Uh, hopefully when they leave here, they'll, they'll realize, realize the value of service. And when they get into their own community, uh, they'll be given back as well. And so hopefully those, those core values do, do transfer into their real life as well.
Great. So our, our next question, um, and you all hit a little bit on your leadership styles and building that leadership style. So again, a two-part question. First part, prior to stepping into an AD role, what were some of the things that you did to reflect upon and explore your leadership style? And part two, are there books or authors that you all use to help formulate your leadership styles and department dynamics? I'll, I'll take the first part of that question in, hopefully you're around leaders in a place who allows you to, to grow. And what I mean by that is when you're growing up in college athletic, you're not the athletic director, you're not the deputy, but you can observe and you can learn and hopefully what will happen is they'll allow you to be in the room. Maybe you're, you're sitting in the corner while they're making a decision on who to hire as a coach, or you're in the room when they're building a, a major project. Whatever it is, I believe that you need to have some sort of in the room experience so you can at least be knowledgeable. The other thing I think is very, very important is that you become a student of the industry of college athletics. We all grow up as, a, as really a specialist, and I grew up on the fundraising side, so I was more externally focused. But as I was evolving, I knew that I had to understand academics and compliance and all the internal operations and how to build projects. And I really had to study that because I, I didn't really work in it on a day-to-day -day basis, but I needed to be educated. I needed to be knowledgeable about it. And so I think those are some things that you can do early on to, to capture some of that leadership experience and, and style. Uh, book, book wise, I'm a big John Maxwell fan. I know he spoke uh, last year as the keynote at NACTA. Uh, I soak up whatever he's teaching and he's got podcasts and all kinds of books. He just came out with a new book called uh, Leadership that he talked about last year. So I'm a big uh, Maxwell fan. The other piece that I'll add to, to Ross's comments um, when thinking about um, acquiring your, your leadership style is one of the things that I did, and I mentioned it a little bit in my intro, um, was, you know, I would study the leaders around me and try to think about um, whatever decision they were making or how they were communicating a decision and kind of putting myself in their position to say what I deliver that message in the same way that they delivered that message, what I have made the same decision that they made. And it wasn't to second guess anything that the leaders were doing in my department, but it was starting to kind of help me formulate my leadership style and my approach to these various scenarios. And that's how I, for me, that's how I started to build it. That's how I started to um, enhance my confidence and being able to feel like I could operate um, in a leadership role as an athletic director because I had started to um, at least um, imagine in my head how I would go about those things, even if I didn't have um, a leadership role at the time. And I had been doing that for years in terms of thinking about how I would approach that. Um, one of the things that I would say about leadership in terms of the, um, the literature around it um, I had the, the opportunity to engage in um, a leadership at Penn program, the, the pathway program for the NCAA and tons of other professional development opportunities. And so um, there's tons of literature out there. Um, there's the uh, organizational culture book by um, Edgar Schein, which was a big piece um, that we went through in the pathway program. Um, there are leadership um, uh, materials from um, Mike Lucim um, that I read 
um, which was um, very, very impactful for me in terms of learning about my leadership style and my approach um, to leading a, an athletic department. Yeah, and I think the experiences we have along the way are definitely the ones that are, uh, uh, you're going to take uh, as much good as you are uh, bad from, from different things and just make those little mental notes and saying, uh, yeah, th that was a great delivery and here's, here's what, I, what I'll take with me and, uh, and sometimes the opposite. So uh, and we also realize that, uh, you know, you, you got to get that feedback from people too around you and say, hey, how, how did that, how'd that come off? <laughs> you know, to make it, uh, talk to our coaches here in the, in the, in, in, in just the recent, uh, you know, last few weeks, it's been very, very difficult talking the last few months, I guess, talking about, you know, what's, what's coming up here. And uh, I'm really trying to be open and honest and transparent as possible. And, uh, but a lot of that is you, you get through, you know, when, when all this kind of broke in terms of the pandemic, uh, I was ferociously reading about every article I could get my hands on, not only about testing and the virus, but also how people were going about it and what's the best way to lead in, in crisis. And uh, uh, so there's a lot of great things out there. Of course, our, our NACTA Daily uh, has a lot of those great articles and, and things, but also, you know, getting an outside of your outside of your lane a little bit and reading some more of the you know, medical literature or, you know, psychology and things like that, that are a little bit more informing, probably even more challenging to read. Uh, but those are those are things that help you uh, help develop that leadership style. And hey, what, what, what do I need to be doing here? Nobody's ever you know, don't have that guidebook for uh, facing a pandemic. So that's big. Uh, the, the one author I really enjoy reading uh, most is Patrick Lencioni and uh, his one of his latest books uh, a few years ago is the, the Advantage. It talks about organizational health. Probably maybe one of the best, most simple books I've ever read. Uh, but he has a lot of great books. Uh, Death by Meeting, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Five Temptations of a CEO or Leader. I forget which one it was. Uh, but a lot of fables in there and brings it to, to real life. And uh, one he just did was the, the Ideal Team Player talking about hiring and uh, hiring humble, hungry, and smart people. and uh, But a lot of great, useful uh, information. We do a, a group read as a senior staff every summer and uh, haven't identified that one yet this year. We've been too busy in, in these meetings. Uh, but uh, every summer that we've done a group read, it's, it's been an enjoyable experience and something we can share out with our coaches as well. Katie, do we, we have time for one more question? In the we do. Okay. Sure, absolutely. So the last question, how do you create a positive culture and high morale when the some of your teams may struggle athletically? Great question. Let's see, that's on page uh, 78 of the athletic director manual, right? What I, what I would say is you probably need to dig into the root of the problem. Like why are so many teams struggling? What is it? Is it some system issue? Is it funding? Is it the wrong people? Probably dig into the root of it. And then I would say there's got to be some positive things that you can pull out, whether it's statistical things or these teams are performing. Hey, they're really good on offense, but defense is not – whatever the issues are, hopefully there's some good data. And then what I would say, and I've always said this as an athletic director, if, if I don't believe in the programs and if I can't bring positivity, then who will? And so to me, we have to set that mindset. And that's how I'd go about looking at, at the, that challenge that you have. 
but the belief part, the positivity part, boy, if I can't do it, then how do I expect everyone else to do it? Shreda, do you have the magic, do you have the magic solution for that question? I don't, but I, what I will add is that, you know, it takes time. Um, so when I first started, um, you know, I brought, you know, this, this idea of a champion's mindset and that mindset is that you're going to go into each day, every moment, um, thinking about how you can improve and having that intrinsic motivation to do that and not being told to do it. Um, so that whole concept of the belief part, I think is so important to not get bogged down by what we don't have, but to think about what we do have and how each person can, can, can contribute um, to us being better. Um, and so I, I would like to say that that mindset, as well as just having very, very dedicated people um, has allowed us to go from, you know, not winning a whole lot in my first year um, to having some su substantial improvement across, you know, our entire athletics part department. And I think part of that is just, um, we didn't change a whole lot of people and the student athletes are still here. I think part of it was um, changing the mindset and letting things come to us a little bit more. So um, certainly happy about that. I think it definitely starts at the top. Uh, you as a, as a leader need to make sure that you're uh, creating that culture that is positive and, and that attitude and effort is, is a big part of that. Uh, one of the things that I think we uh, we look at and, and talk about a lot of times is our, our student athletes take on the mentality of, our, of your coach and coaches will take on the mentality of the athletic director. And if we're negative all the time and, and critical, and I'm definitely uh, have my fair share of uh, being critical, but uh, uh, you've got to you've got to make sure that you set that tone. And I know our student athletes and, and you can kind of tell uh, a little bit when when you have a, a coach that, you know, isn't the most positive person and that that. that culture and that attitude on that team they, they take on that same thing and so I think that is that is critical but as a as a leader uh, you, you've got to be uh, optimistic as possible but uh, you've got to be transparent and uh, uh, communicate as much as you can and I think when you when you communicate that things that are not positive news as long as you're open honest and, and communicate as much as you can with them uh, they're accepting those things much more so and, and they don't look at it as a negative thing it's like uh, regardless of what's happening, uh, I'm well informed. I realize the situation, and uh, better than being in the dark and something's sprung on you later. So uh, that's a that's a big one. And trying to trying to remain positive during these times though is critical for sure. Great, thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Sharita. I know we had lots of questions that we did not get to, and uh, apologize uh, that we didn't have enough time. But that's what makes these panels great. Is there's lots of uh, engagement. People are hungry for content these days around these topics. So, Bob, thanks for giving us three the opportunity to, to be on the panel today. Hey, Ross, thank you. And Sharita and Dennis, uh, great job. Great uh, three different perspectives. You know, the old adage is uh, there, there are no new ideas. And uh, you guys are, you guys typify that. Speaking of communication and speaking of uh, the topics and the need to continue doing things like this. Um, we're going to move to a little different format next week, uh, kind of a neat topic that we we're trying to stay topical at NACTA. And we're going to have a topic for uh, student athlete waivers. We're going to have a discussion on student athlete waivers, pledges and acknowledgements. How do you handle that? What do you do? Um, Rick Hart, our new third VP from SMU, is going to moderate that. Uh, Diana Sabo, from Ohio State will be with us and Sheila Wooten from Bloomfield College. So we'll get some unique perspectives there. It should be a great session for interaction and just more education going back and forth with everyone. Uh, but again, thank you all so much. 
uh, stay safe out there. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Okay, thank you. Goodbye.